Hello, my name is David Ian McKendry, former Fangoria video producer and writer back in the early 2010s, and now podcast host of this show, Penning Terror. Now, each episode of Penning Terror, I'll be interviewing renowned horror writers to get their insight into the craft of horror writing and the business in general from a writer's perspective. This show is for both up-and-coming writers out there that are looking for advice from professional working writers, as well as you non-writers out there who are just curious about the process or just want to hear an in-depth, behind-the-scenes account of how your favorite horror films got onto the page. Whatever brought you here, I hope you enjoy the show and that you walk away with something useful from it. And now on with Penning Terror. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. And it will then take me time to get back to where I was. You're distracting me. It's 2020 and surfing the web is dead. All the horror news you need is now just one click away. Fangoria.com is your first destination for all the horror news of the day, featuring a constant curation of the Fango team's favorite links from across the internet. You'll also find deep dives and daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, as well as exclusive access to the Fangoria vault. Check out Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Use promo code PENNINGTERROR for 15% off right now. Now, that's promo code Penning Terror, P E N N I N G T E R R O R, for 15% off right now. Hey, gang, on today's episode, I sit down with Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer, uh, and uh, also uh, did a little something different here. Uh, brought in my own writing partner, Rebecca McKendry, to give you guys a uh, multiple perspectives on the, the creative process and the uh, the process of writing with a, a collaborating partner, and uh, also we did a, a lot of a lot of shop talk on the realities of working in Hollywood. So it, it was a real fun episode. It was a great conversation. Uh, I, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, thanks for listening. And here it is: Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmire with special guest Rebecca McKendry. Well, thank you so much, guys, for coming in here. Uh, Kevin Kelsch and Dennis Widemeyer. Um, I just totally messed that up. It was Widemeyer. 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 I wanted to give you an extra syllable. Widemeyer. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make it a three-syllable name. Widemeyer. Widemeyer. Thank you so much for coming in here. And this is also a very special episode because joining me is my creative partner, Rebecca McKendry. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. It's a very special episode. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about... Uh, you know, working together, uh, partnering up, you know, this is kind of a different podcast as far as we, we talk about the creative process, the writing, and I want to get uh, an idea of your guys' journey, you know, coming together and, and leading what led up to Pet Cemetery and, and beyond. <laughs> yeah, um, how did you guys first meet? 
at a party, I guess, right? We we knew yeah. each other. Kevin's a couple a couple grades above me, so we we had mutual friends. And Knox and Mulder, he got left back. I got left. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we grew up in Long Island, in the suburbs, like in Nassau County, and I, I grew up in Rosalind Heights. He was in Williston Park, and I would hang out in Williston Park a lot because I had a lot of friends there. They were my grade, and Kevin was always around, and I was aware of him. But he was like this kind of scary metal dude with like hair down to his shoulder nice. and like. <laughs> You know, the tight black Metallica t shirts mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was very intimidated by him. And I had like the one Def Leppard patch in the back of my denim jacket. <laughs> oh. You two Unforgettable Fire. Like just a weird mix of patches. Total poser. I was like, I can never be that real. And uh, so no, I was always aware. And then, but we never really knew each other personally until we were at a party one night hanging out with a mutual friend. And uh, Kevin was already writing screenplays at that point. And I just started doing it too. And we were both. Uh, in respect to film schools, kind of like learning the craft. And it was sort of like odd in that we were match made. It was like mm-hmm. sort of like, hey, you like writing. You're writing a screenplay, Kevin. Dennis, didn't you say you were writing a screenplay too? Like you guys should meet up and write screenplays together. And this is like 1994, 93. It's yeah, like a long time like ago. Yeah. Wow. It was like the boom of uh, screenwriter books. Like mm-hmm. Tarantino, mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction had just come out. And so suddenly you, were, you would go into a Barnes & Noble or a B. Dalton and you would see like the screenplay for, you know, Fargo uh, or Pulp Fiction or mm-hmm. Raisin Arizona. Or, and you could, you know, you could buy the book and yeah. read the script. And it was a good way to kind of learn how to write. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, I learned after that those published screenplays were always a thing, yeah. but they were like tucked away in the film studies yeah. section yeah. and stuff. It was like... After the boom of Tarantino, you kind of like could be walking through the mall and an actual end cap would be staring at you from, you know, the B. Dalton like of Mm -hmm. Pulp Fiction. And then like, you know, so it was really eye catching now. And like you Mm -hmm. were able to look through and go like, oh, this is how screenplays are written. Because before that, I remember I used to take creative writing classes all the time and I would like write like short stories and even on my own, just even growing up, I remember just always writing short stories. But like in my head, I was always a fan of movies and I'd always go like I'm writing this to be a movie I'd see it in my head as a movie and I'd be writing it going like I hope one day this gets turned into a movie but like I didn't know how to write movies I was just writing a Mm -hmm. you know a story hoping one day it would be turned into movies because I you know read Stephen King stories and I knew his became movies so Mm -hmm. you know I was doing that but like I didn't know I didn't even know how to write screens funny I did that I did creative writing too and and they were always cinematic without realizing yeah yeah yeah. you were on an adventure and how would this play as a trailer it's gonna sound lame but even uh, playing with G.I. Joe's I would not use the Cobra figures I would only Mm -hmm. use the guys in camouflage and then I would recreate like this movie Uncommon Valor that I was a big fan of (laughs) growing up it was like a POW POW movie where they go to get their buddy back out of like a concentration Mm -hmm. camp and uh, not a concentration camp, a prison of war camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I would recreate that. And uh, speaking of Def Leppard again, I would put on Gods of War, which is on Hysteria. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it holds up. And I would recreate the opening scene with G.I. Joe guys. Mm-hmm. So everything was always about, like, how do we make this cinematic before you even knew what writing movies really was. Yeah, we had the same thing where we, um, Dave and I met writing plays together in college and yeah. producing plays. And we realized really quickly that we were reveals into our plays, yeah. which is something you oh, can't yeah. do in yeah. theater. But it would essentially <laughs> say, like, and the camera pulls back or something like that. And yeah. It reveals that this is going on. We were like, we can't yeah, do that Yeah, you can't tell the audience stage. what to look at. Um, yeah. But we it was were, a close-up. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but we were writing we were it into have scripts. Somebody in the audience that was going to grab each audience member's hand. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look this way yet. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, but uh, yeah, with the, the creative writing thing, though, you find yourself kind of going more right. dialogue as, yeah. as you're writing mm-hmm. these things, like because you mm-hmm. want to know what the, the characters are saying. And, and, yeah, yeah and I don't know where that comes from. I think it comes from A, liking to read and write and stuff. And then kind mm-hmm. of, I think we both grew up in movie mad families where our families were just really big on movie nights and watching mm-hmm. movies and going to the movies. And I, my parents are huge on that. So mm-hmm. I was always surrounded by movies and I always liked to read. I was encouraged to read at a young age. And then the writing just kind of stemmed naturally from mm-hmm. that. You know? yeah. It's like you couldn't ignore it at yeah. that point. You know? What were some of those uh, early collaborations uh, like? There's like, a lot of them. Yeah, like yeah. genre-wise, like, were you always in uh, yeah. horror? Or? About 20 scripts, really, before we got our first one. No, wow. it, it wasn't. I mean, like, obviously, I, we, we talked about how, you know, those Tarantino published screenplays yeah. were on there because it was during that boom. So, you know, we started, like most people of that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think yep. we probably have a few of those. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So yeah, it really was. It was really like kind of a... Uh, it was sort of like always like young people like our age getting involved in like mischief, you know, mm-hmm. and like adventures, yeah. and like they 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 rob a you know they rob a store and it, it's a, a front for the mob. Now the mafia is after them and they're mm-hmm. on the run, like very true romancey and natural one killers, right? Pulp fictiony, and it was like it was a lot of like like violent crime stuff, you yeah. know, that was yeah. always comic and kind of over the top, you know, but like was trying to be cinematic even on the page, and then that sort of bled into. Uh, more like coming of age character studies where mm-hmm. we were more like serious now and it was more like I guess stripped down and it was like yeah. the plot really wasn't such a big deal and then it boomeranged to like we wrote like a big horror western and mm-hmm. then like science fiction and pretty much every genre you could think of before we even wrote horror like our first horror screenplay was uh, uh, probably after I moved out here in 2007 oh wow you yeah. know and uh but, I don't know why, but we, we say, but we say straight horror. I mean, like straight horror. Yeah, like, yeah. you always had horrific elements. Yeah, in one stuff. of our our second, you know, mm. the first thing you were ever writing had vampires, and the yeah. second uh, thing, apocalypse and vampires. And then we wrote like a sequel to it that mm-hmm. uh, had some other thing we created all our own, like uh-huh. soldiers of death that Dimension came out of hell, and, and yeah. like you know, mm-hmm. like they looked like people, but yeah. I don't know where they. Demons or something, I guess. I never really answered that question. <laughs> <Yeah>. Now, <laughs> process-wise, because this is something that yeah. we've really had to like fine-tune over like oh, 15 no, years of working together. Over the years. Like, yeah. Yeah. How do you guys work? Because cool. Dave and I started out trying to be in the same room and like literally have one person typing and the other person talking. Yep. Um, and it always ended miserably. <laughs> and so then we started was, doing... Yeah, like what was your process? Yeah, what, what, what was the, the evolution of it? Like that? how yeah. did you, it you like get that. to where you went? Yeah. 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 You, you would know, come on my place, or I'd go to your place, but it was mainly in my parents' basement, right? Yeah, I mean, well, it all stems out of, you know, talking about how we met, you know, at a mutual friends get-together, people hanging out drinking and whatever, and, you know, that's what people did on Long Island, you know, and we wanted to be productive, so we just started getting together on Friday nights ourselves, and we would, like, grab beer and play music and, like, write, you know, like... At first, separate scripts, you know, mm-hmm. like cause we yeah. were both writers, and it was just kind of a way to like make sure that we were being productive. Like, you You'd know, be writing bring, one and I'd be bring the party, nice. bring the party yeah. here, mm-hmm. you know, bring the music and the beer here, and then like yeah. at the end of the night, we'd show each other what we wrote and we'd critique or give, you know, feedback, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like uh, then you know it just kind of started becoming where like we were helping each other out of scenes that we needed to, you know, I don't know what to By do then, from here. So, right? Yeah, that I know, yeah, yeah, and I know, it really wasn't that long. Did but it was until let's just work together. <laughs> but yeah, it was just kind of like, you know, we were 
realizing that we were writing similar subject matter, like like he, like I said before, that sequel that we wrote, it was like I was writing a script that was very similar to the script he was writing, and we're like writing two scripts that are almost like set in the same universe in the mm-hmm. same world, and then we're both giving each other you know, advice on how to go with this scene. And we're like, why aren't we just writing these together? Yeah. Why aren't they taking place yeah. in the same universe? You know, like, and then we just kind of did that. And we yeah. tur- turned one into a, a sequel to the other. And yeah. yeah, it was really like an experiment of like, can we take something Kevin's working on that feels like something I'm doing and can I help him with that and vice mm-hmm. versa, you know? And so it made sense just to make his screenplay something that could exist in the world of my screenplay. So then I wrote it with him, you know? Mm-hmm. And then from there, we just started writing together. And in the beginning, it was uh, exactly what you guys did. It was... Sitting at one keyboard in an mm-hmm. office, basically trading. One person would be yep. writing, the person sitting there, and then we, the two of us would read it out loud together and sort of try to act it and perform yeah. it and see how it sounded out loud. And then it was like he did, he would go in and rewrite it, or I would go in and rewrite his scene, and we would rewrite each other as we went. So we were always like second draft in the scene as we were going, mm-hmm. which is a common thing that teams do. Uh, and then I moved to California in 2007, and he was still in Long Island, and we were like, how's this going to work? And so then it basically evolved to we were because it was a three hour time difference but you would go to bed late at that point so you would be up late and so like 10 o'clock at night I was living in Palms near Culver City at the time I would just walk around the block and you did that too a lot and we would have like three hour phone calls where Mm -hmm. we just discussed the hell out of the scene talked it through and then one of us would go off and write it that night and the other person would wake up the next day to pages Mm -hmm. and then they would write it that day and you would piggyback that way so it was like a bi-coastal way of writing we were not in the same room, you know. Yeah, and I was working at the post production house at that time. So there was tons of times where my schedule was I'm working overnight or I'm yeah. working the whatever. So I was always on odd shifts anyway. And sometimes on slow overnights, I could sit there and just, you know. Yeah. Well, no, I guess if I was uh, ahead of you. Yeah, no, you would have still been up then. Yeah, so. Yeah, that would work. <laughs> now, I was just thinking of my math. Yeah. How has it evolved to now? Because over a decade of writing together, Dave and I now have this like, we will do the treatment together. Yeah. And right. it always involves yelling and arguing. Yeah, how do you handle the tears? Because if we that, do uh, not, <laughs> I assume that they get don't have. Get out of the way before you get upset. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we, if we always say that if we don't argue about it, then we're not passionate Correct. about yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. if we do not have a heated conversation about whether that character oh, yeah. needs no. to be a dentist or an architect, and then we eventually decides that he he should be looking or something um then then we've not yeah usually we've discovered that if we're arguing we're both wrong Mm -hmm. and that it's something completely different it's an explosion that you you have the calm a lot of times uh he'll do something or i'll do something and you're not describing it right to the person right meaning it's not on the page meaning okay what i'm trying to convey they're not getting and he's a smart person i hope i'm a smart person if one of us isn't getting it, then the audience probably won't get it. Hence, it's not being written correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The idea isn't there. Yeah. Like, what you're trying to do is cool, but you're doing it incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we now do our treatments together, and we'll do, like, a full, like, 10-page flesh yeah. out, and yeah. then he'll go and do the first draft, yeah. and then we pass back and forth. Done that, yeah. And we'll yeah, probably that, go yeah. through five drafts back and forth before we will ever even show anybody. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to make sure that it's, like, where we want it to be. Yeah. And yeah. our kids get annoyed, because we'll be, like, arguing whether he should be an electrician or a plumber while we're cooking dinner, right. brushing our teeth. It's, it's good that those are our only our, uh, arguments. It really is. Our script related. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, what was the moment where you said, oh, well, we can make these films? Well, I mean, I think that was just always the goal. I mean, we've been writing together since we were young adults, like Dennis was saying, like in college, going to film school. So I think that was always the goal. I think that the same way when I said I was growing up writing and I didn't know how to write screenplays, so, you know, I was writing them in short stories. Then, like, we started learning how to write screenplays and we were writing them for 
films, but this was kind of before, like, you know, digital kind of got better and advanced. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't know. We always wanted to make films, but, like, you go to film school, they teach you how to shoot on film and how to edit on film, and we did that. And, like, sure, you do your school projects, but then it, like, becomes really hard to, like, make a film on film sort of on your own. So just kind of our route that we were taking was writing scripts and sending them out, you know, hoping somebody wanted to make the film. And then, you know, and we would probably try and pull that thing where we were like, and we want to direct it. You know, even if somebody actually bid on one of our scripts, they probably wouldn't want to hire us to direct it. Mm -hmm. But that was sort of the goal that we were aiming towards. And then it just kind of became a thing where like when, you know, digital technology got better, we started like shooting uh, short films. We did an early feature on like a super DIY feature on like the Panasonic cameras, the, mm-hmm. not even the DVX, the HVX before that. And, you know, and then just kind of as the, the technology was evolving, we evolved with it. And then eventually, you know, we did Starry Eyes through a Kickstarter. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of like, it just took, a you know, 20 something years from us like starting writing together for like, you know, the directing to kind of take off, but it's sort of always been... It was always the plan. It wasn't like, hey, we should direct these. It was always just trying to write things we could direct. Yeah. Yeah. But then writing apocalyptic movies, we're like, oh, then I'm just going to let us direct that movie. Yeah. It's that that pre-digital phase that I think everybody just ran into that roadblock of how how can we make movies Mm -hmm. now that... It's it's, it's so uh, expensive. Yeah. Now, talk a little bit about the Kickstarter, because I know so many people who always view that as like a means to an end, but I've always viewed, because we did it for our first short yeah, film, um, yeah. and it was more work than making the short film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about kind of um, why you guys decided to go Kickstarter, and what worked and what didn't work, and since you actually ended up getting all the money to make the film, it was a successful one, so like, what were your, your high points of it? We, I mean, we, uh, uh, I had done a smaller one, a smaller Kickstarter for a short film I did called Curtain, where I was trying to raise like three grand mm-hmm. and even then I didn't get to the three grand I had to have like my sister kick in like a thousand to get me across the finish line mm-hmm. and so with that it was like wow that was hard even getting three grand was tough how the hell am I we going to try to get whatever we would need for Starry Eyes and so I was doing and I still am sort of doing on the side Chuck Palahniuk's social media and his website the guy mm-hmm. wrote Fight Club he's a big cult author he's got like 15, 20 books by Dave now. owns all of his books we love Haunted oh no I, yeah. Haunted it's, oh, it's okay. amazing yeah. yeah yeah. so I mean he's, he's been great with that I mean our, the first thing we really ever did that was feature length was a documentary on him uh-huh. before yeah. we even did our first narrative feature right. wow. and we learned a lot from that so he's always kind of been on the periphery of all the stuff we've been doing in film and he's always supported us in that and so uh it got to the point where I had, by running his social media, his Twitter, it, he had amassed like 700,000 followers on Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, and the guy had never spent a day online. It was just me running his social media. I wow. still do, you know, <laughs> and he's fine with me. He doesn't like social media. He's barely ever on the computer. You know, he like lives on a farm. Yeah, he's like in the woods of Portland or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, he just writes. I want to raise chickens. I know. He's got, <laughs> he's got it all figured out. He's got a good life, you know. And so I got to a point where I was like, you know what, if he was ever willing to let me utilize his fan base to sort of like you know promote our own stupid film to you know like if he was cool with that that's a lot of eyes right there you know and so he was of course totally down with it and I said like I'll be very tasteful with it you know like once a month I'll mention it you know and like but we have to incentivize your fans to care about our horror film mm-hmm. so he was like well I got an idea he's like I'll just I'll sign a bunch of books for people I'll sign first editions of Fight Club and stuff and I'll incentivize them to want to invest in your mm-hmm. thing that way if they, even if they don't care about your horror movie Starry Eyes they're going to want the prizes because right. they're 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 Paul. Oh, fans, I you know? I have a, an autographed uh, Fight Club comic book. So they you so. know. <laughs> so basically, but then he went one step further and he said, "What if I thank a hundred people that donated a certain tier on my next novel? That way, like 
almost like the old wow. school albums in the back of the vinyls where they thank all their, you know, yeah. all the people that got them there. Uh, you would open up the book, go past the cover page, and it would say, Chuck Pollock wishes to acknowledge and thank the following people. And it's 100 people that all donated to our Kickstarter nice. in a book forever. You know, mm -hmm. so like, picture being a big, you know, fan of this author and then being immortalized in one of his books. Mm -hmm. Like, he, we did this earlier with him and he actually named six characters in a book after Kickstarter people. That was wow. a Kickstarter. Yeah, that was, that was yeah a, it, was, it was before that Kickstarter. Was we kind of... We Kickstarter kind of, before Kickstarter. Yeah, before yeah, there was say. Kickstarter, we were already trying to do these sort of things. We Contest sold... Like, uh, yeah. We sold T-shirts for the website the and money, they yeah. came with raffle tickets and then, like, six winners got... A character named after them in Diary, his <laughs> wow. book Diary. Wow. We funded and, uh, our first narrative film. <laughs> yeah, and like there was people that were just like buying like ten thousand dollars worth and going, "Don't send me all the T-shirts. I, I don't need that. I don't need that many T-shirts." Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I want the lotto ticket. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, and yeah. it worked. You know, so that was great. And he did it. He, nice. you know, like you Very can, nice. that, that's in uh, Diary, I think. Right? Yeah, Diary. You could go yeah. pick up Diary, and there's six characters, and they're named after. Yeah, characters. I read that. Now, now <laughs> I know six random people wow. that donated to our to our first film. So, that's very cool. So we we approached our the Starry Eyes Kickstarter, really having done the work on mm -hmm. other things beforehand, and knowing okay, this is like making a film before a film. Really, like you have to, you really have to understand a plan. You have to have a marketing plan. You have to have like. Like buckets of people that you're going to reach out to at certain, on the calendar at certain mm -hmm. times. Like mm -hmm. there are certain people in your family you don't want to hit up right away. You know, you want to hit them up later because you know that they love you and they and they're going to donate, but they don't really care about the movie. Mm -hmm. And so you just have to kind of like take their hand and aim it towards the button and hit the button. You know, and so there was a lot of that. And there was a uh, we we hired an actress. And we actually made like a short concept film to show the mood of what the future would look like. Mm -hmm. You know, and we put a lot of time into that. You know, like we tried to make that look as good as the movie would look. And uh, but then you never know. I mean, we 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 raised fifty three thousand, you know, which is not a lot. There are people that have raised way more than that. Mm -hmm. But again, we barely got there. You know, yeah. but that's uh, with Chuck falling. That was yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like whatever. about twenty seven grand of that yeah. came from his fans. Wow, yeah. wow. never would have got it across the finish line without his fan base. <clears throat> yeah. So wow. we owe him uh, we, that film would not have we would not have raised that sort of money without his fan base. Huh. Yeah. So now I mean I see people that don't have somebody like Chuck Polinuk donating prizes and they're like I'm going to do a Kickstarter. I want like 100 grand for my How? film. And that I I am like, always yeah. like oh my gosh. How do you do it? That's yeah. amazing. They need to have some, like 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 a sugar daddy on the side that's going to like secretly donate the money they yeah. can't, you know, or or they I don't know, they're a marketing genius, but it's like it it, it was almost nerve-wracking <laughs> month of my life mm -hmm. where every yeah. time the phone would vibrate I would look at it and go like uh, you know this person in my family only donated 20 bucks I don't get it they mm -hmm. have all this money why would that's they that's how yeah. we were yeah. with it. we know? only did 3,000 for our short film and we got so judgy where we were like yes. you're a dentist and your oh. wife runs a hospital Come we on. got five dollars from you yeah. what the fuck I don't want to feel that it yeah, it was, yeah, yeah and when we were when we were doing ours it was uh, we wanted to make a video uh, for the the Kickstarter page, and yeah. it was that moment of yeah. like, wait, now we have to put the money together to make the video to put up here to ask for page. more and money. But that even happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that is important. You say put money together for the video. You said this in your class when we came in and talked to your class, and we showed the Kickstarter video, and yeah. you were saying, yeah, look, there's actual stuff that they went and shot with some production value, yep. and like you know, and that's important. You know, it because is like mm -hmm. it's like. Well, 
that's kind of like almost like your audition. Like, you know, you're going, hey, give us some money to raise a film. And all they could see from you so far is this video. So mm-hmm. you want to show people that you, mm-hmm. yeah, no, you actually have some you skill. Yeah. Your interview that you could you did with yourself like a few times because it was snowing out in Long Island. That you were just yeah. moving around like the audio wasn't good. So we were like, not ready yet. Keep going. Find a better location. We had to yeah, move around. Yeah. We got it. Yeah, you had one that was originally outside, but there was too much noise in the background with and traffic. We, or yes, something. and we had Alex. I think we took Alex up to uh, uh, like the reservoir in like Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, the Hollywood reservoir to try to make it look like Hollywood and like you couldn't hear her. Like, so you cast me. Alex before the Kickstarter even began. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, yeah. I know, yeah. That's, that was, uh, that was, yeah. That and that's the, you know, a story we tell. I mean, it's not necessarily specific to this, to writing, you know, mm-hmm. on this podcast, but um, yeah, we cast Alex when we were just a Kickstarter movie, like, and uh, we were using her in the video to go, hey, here's going to be the star and everything. And then like after the, Kickstarter, then we ended up getting more money, you mm-hmm. know, and Dark Sky Films came mm-hmm. on board, and then Travis, you know, as producer, started Travis reaching out to, uh, you know, all these indie darlings from all these movies that he was in, that he had done, and like suddenly we have Pat Healy and mm-hmm. Amanda Fuller and Noah Segan. Yeah, no, we, 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 we shared Amanda Fuller. Yeah, 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 yeah Noah Segan and Mark Sinner, and you know, all these people are now in our movie, and they're all people from like festival uh, yeah. indie mm-hmm. horrors that we saw and yeah. liked and everything and then we're going like oh is this person that came in on like two auditions and gave <laughs> the, the best read that we saw out of like just people that we, we had, can't hold their you know, own like, these yeah cast is she gonna be, and, and like we started actually worrying but then like you know but then now I apologize for worrying because she came in and proved us all wrong. Yeah, we're like, like, cool. You know, like on day one, she, yeah, you know, from the first scene, we were like, whoa, you know, like, but she geez, was before amazing. The, she was before the Kickstarter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. Crazy. Yeah, like the, the evolution of Kickstarter where it started out of just people sitting, sitting in front of the camera and mm-hmm. just talking about their project. And, and then all of a sudden, you've yeah. got to put production value in it and make it bigger. Yeah, yeah I want to see like lookbook level stuff. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I still see really big campaigns where it's a person looking in their computer at a webcam and just talking for five minutes. I'm like, got to do yeah. more than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, show stuff. It's funny you said, so you had Alex before the Kickstarter, but it's funny, like, we got her while we were planning to do a Kickstarter and we were already making the video because an interesting thing that might be confusing is that we shot some concept footage and the person in the concept footage is not Alex. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but we have interviews with Alex talking about the role she's playing. So there's somebody going like, yeah, in the role of Sarah. And then it's cutting to footage and it's not the same. Person. <laughs> I think we, and we, we showed her the script too. We just felt like we, we should we should be respectful and give her a chance to see if she wants to audition for it. And she was like, she read it. She's like, no, um, I'm not doing that movie. We were like, yeah, yeah you're going to be naked and under the mud, buried in the ground, you know, with maggots in your mouth. She's like, yeah. I'm, I'm good, guys. I'll do the Kickstarter, but you'll let somebody else do the actual feature. So, yeah. so like us, you guys uh, you guys made the move from New York to L.A. What, yeah. was, kinda, what yeah. was the ex- expectation coming out here after making films on the East Coast? Well, I think uh, everybody has expectation when you're coming, you're in film school or you're in high school where you're like, Hollywood, you know, like I gotta, you know. We were supposed to be doing Coke in the back of our bands yeah. oh by God, now. Yeah. Um, we're at not. the Cat and Fiddle, and then they closed the Cat and Fiddle. I know. And it's reopened like, now. Yeah. Oh, okay. We should go back. <laughs> I haven't been to the new one yet. Yeah. And yeah. so my, I had this idea in my head of like, uh, you know, going to film school out here and being 19 and driving cross country, you know, and like, it took me till 29. You know, I was living along Island. We were all living there. We watched movies every night, and, you know, we had our routine, you know, and we were trying, we were hustling and trying to make movies. But we, you get to a point, we made a movie in New York and just, um, 
it was a tough experience because like you don't have the resources there that mm -hmm. you have. You, you mm -hmm. don't, you know. There are people that are able to do it, but as far as like meeting producers and going to meetings and mm -hmm. being in the room, you have to kind of be here. Yeah, we things. did three music videos and a couple of shorts in right. Virginia and a few in New York yeah. as well. And moving to LA, it was suddenly like, oh, this is how you're supposed to, this is so much yeah. easier. Yeah. You're surrounded yeah. by the industry. Yeah. 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 And trying to find the one person in town who owned a red. And yeah. yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. No, I was I was just telling my Uber driver on the way here yeah. <laughs> all about this. He was asking, you know, and, uh, and yeah, uh, so. no, and it's like, uh, yeah, like in New York, we worked on sets. I worked in the post production house. Like I said, there's you know, there's always production shooting there, so it was easy to kind of like get on jobs and to work on film, you know. But then like, just it becomes clear that like you're never gonna like go like from working on craft service like I started out and just st sort of work your way up until they're like, hey, how about you direct the next one? Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, even though there was one actor in this one job I was on that, like, did make the correlation because he was like, oh, you're so good at this craft service, blah, blah. And he was like, because me all these compliments, and I was going like, I really don't want to do craft service. Yeah. I was like, oh, and he was all surprised, like thinking like this was like <laughs> you could be the best craft yeah. service. And I was like, I was like, this isn't really what I want to do. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I go, well, I really want to, you know, make films. I want to direct. And he goes, ah. Oh, well, I bet you'd be good at it because you're really good at this craft service. And I was like, Thanks, I was like, buddy. Yeah. Wow. he funded our first film. <laughs> yeah, but that man is head yeah. paramount yeah. right but, now. But, but aside from that guy, you know, like nobody else was like that was Travis. You know, making, <laughs> making the jump. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, and it just kind of became like a thing that like it, it was e real. It was easy enough to kind of work on films there, but to get your own made, like there just wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. you, know. you know, what you realize when you get to LA is that it's not so much about having like printed screenplays in your trunk so if you're like a waiter and you're at a restaurant and like mm -hmm. you know Robert Alton comes in you can like leave the script on his chair I guess that still happens but really it's about uh, a, a community you yeah, know? yeah. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's knowing community. people it, it's, it's knowing people and just becoming friends with people like mm -hmm. sincerely not trying mm -hmm. to hustle people but being like you know, becoming friendly with people. You know, we became friends with Travis Stevens. We didn't even tell him we were trying to make Starry Eyes until after we knew the guy for a year. Mm -hmm. And then he, on his own, asked us. He's like, what are you guys working on? Like, I would love to do something with you. And we were like, cool, friend. Let's go make a movie together as friends. And that's really, yeah. that's my advice to people all the time is don't come here with a game or a hustle. Mm -hmm. right. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Just come out here and just put the time in mm -hmm. and meet the right people. You know? yeah, that's all the networking. Always, yeah, yeah, we always say that it's... it's just network. Be LA out, is, go to yeah. the movies, go yeah. to the festivals. You know? LA is like an endurance game because you know, we've realized that <laughs> right. the only way that you can completely fail in the industry is to leave. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know plenty of people that have. They give yeah, up. Then, they and give and up. I mean, it's fine. They're, you know, but I know they put a time limit on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I haven't done it in five years, no. And we realized even just like the First, last year we made two features, and it took us five years yeah. of being in LA just 40s. to get yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. You know, we, we have three future films in I'm um, forty. How old am I now? I don't know, 42. 42, I think. So, you know, yeah, so yeah. like it takes a long. You look at guys yeah, like Spielberg at twenty seven; they're making their first feature. And it's mm -hmm. like that's yeah. pretty rare, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know something though, like I kind of maybe he was in a different position, but I look at where we were at in our twenties right. and stuff, and I go like. If we had a chance to do a film back then, we probably wouldn't be sitting here with you right now. Yeah, we, yeah. Made, we, we, we would have made one of our like Tarantino ripoff script things yeah. or something, yeah. and like it would have been a really bad like yeah. low budget ripoff thing, and then we would never. You got to get the you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, the I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of cautionary tales out there. I mean, right. uh, Boondock Saints and things yeah. like that. You know, you yeah. you know, yeah. it's yeah, overnight, right? Yeah. Overnight, yeah, exactly. A lot of those that don't get documentaries, you just never you never hear about them again. You forget about those people. But it's like you you burn too bright, or you're not ready to make your first film. So. Mm -hmm. I always tell people it's not about uh, it's not about when yeah. it's mm -hmm. about like what what you know mm -hmm. and you want to make sure you have something to say. By the yeah. time we made Starry Eyes, we were 
frustrated filmmakers that were, you know, on the periphery trying to scratch our way into this industry that we thought we wanted to be in, you know, mm-hmm. in the traditional old school sense, you know, that's what Starry Eyes is kind of like mocking yeah. a little bit. And so we made a movie about an actress trying to do that, but that really is about us trying to do it. It's mm-hmm. about us feeling that frustration, that, you know, that almost sort of like subversive, you know, attitude towards the industry and saying, all right, well, how do we, how do we do this, you know? And so that film never would have happened if we weren't at that place, you know, mentally, mm-hmm. you know, we had to earn that place in our heads to make a film like that, you know, that, that hopefully spoke to people because it was coming from a very real, real place of hunger, yeah. you know? I really yeah. enjoyed the, the undervein of it about people who stand around and talk about doing stuff, but yeah. don't yeah. do it because oh, yeah. that, yeah. that kind yeah. of is also totally like, like every yeah. party where everybody's talking about <laughs> what they're doing and they're not doing it. And yeah. 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 Um, when did, uh, how long were you here before the, the idea of starry eyes came, came to you? So I moved here in 2007 and we started conceiving starry eyes in 2013 Okay. Right, mm. so it took yeah. a while, you know, and it was pretty much born out of shorts. It was born out of uh, when Kevin was still in New York and I was in LA. Uh, we were not only writing together; we were still directing together and flying cross country to produce and, and co-direct and co-write each other's short films. And so we were just constantly staying busy. So I would go home for like Christmas to see my family for like a week, and while I was in town for that week, if Kevin was doing something, we would try to get together and, and, and work on it while we were there, mm-hmm. you know. There was a time we were making a short film, and I had to fly back to L.A., and then he was doing the reshoots on his own, and I was, like, helping him direct via, like, Skype. Yeah. He was showing me shots, and, like, he had the whole cast in my parents' backyard. He was at my parents' house, and I wasn't even there. I was in L.A. already, <laughs> you know, because my parents know him well. And he, we were just, like, always yeah. working, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so we got to, I guess we got to a point where we conceived the Starry Eyes as a, our biggest short film. It was mm. going to be, like, a big 30, 40 minute thing mm. and everyone we showed it to was like this is a feature film like mm-hmm. why are you making this as a short and I think we were sort of gun shy after our previous feature which was 2005, 2006 and uh, going like I don't know we don't really know the right producers yet we don't have the money you know like when we do what we want to do it right you know and, and then the script sort of dictated that this needs to be a feature. And mm-hmm. so it was sort of like, all right, guys, time to get back on the horse. Time to make your second feature. Like, you know, you've you've made a bunch of shorts and bumpers and videos and stuff in between. You're ready. You're mm-hmm. ready now. And the script yeah. is telling you you're ready. And this one needs to be a feature. Yeah. Well, yeah. Also, like somebody we know um, was asking recently, they had saved up some money and they were trying to get some more. And they were asking, like, what should I do? Should I make a really polished short film or do you make a, you know, a rougher DIY feature film? And it was funny because, because a lot of people, this was at the director's meetup that we do and like... Uh, Which I want to come to. Yeah. You're, I, I, I know, I'm on the invite list. I need to go. Uh, but like, everybody had like different ideas and to me like I was saying feature you know I because like I would always say feature because yeah. you can't yeah. just sell it. Yeah. Go make something like Habit or something. Yeah. It's like, you know. Yeah. And it's like... You know, like, cause I think I get that, like, a, a polished short film could be a good calling card, but, like, I, from our experience, and maybe this is different because our, our experience is always different from everybody else's. Like, I'll always see people that, like, you know, haven't made anything really yet except for a few shorts or has one script, and they're like, my agent's trying to sell it. I'm like, your agent? How did you get an agent? Get like, oh, my no, God. It took <laughs> us forever to get an agent. Yeah. And even yeah. still, he doesn't return our emails much of the yeah. time. So, I'm, we're, so, so you're, like we're I said, near the bottom so of his maybe, priority list. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe other people do make really great polished shorts, and it's a calling card, and they get mm. jobs based off of it. But like for us, we, yeah, for us, we made shorts and basically they just, it meant they ended up 
on YouTube where like a few people give you some really nasty comments and mm -hmm. and that's the end of it. You <laughs> we, know, like we reached that point as well where we're like, yeah, we can't do shorts anymore. We had like eight or nine eight of or these nine, short films, and, and we're we like, have a bookcase full of awards that we were so excited to get yeah, but at the yeah. same time we were like what are we going to do one another yeah of these and yeah. so we were really like we need to cobble together what minimum we can and do whatever we can at that point and even though i look back at the first feature and it has scars and there are still moments where i'm like god i wish we could have worthy moments why couldn't we afford a steady on this <laughs> shot and yeah. yeah it was just there's a lot of but that I will, I will say we did just make a short again so we did but that one <laughs> yeah. we made a we Stay made another really yeah, yeah. and yeah. that was well, just like you know that. yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of like we're, just keep no, busy. we're idle, yeah so. i think about making shorts again all the time and i think the difference though is that like the reason why I want to make shorts now is because, you know, you get, yes, it's keeping busy and keeping up your chops, but also like, you know, making, having just come off a studio movie, you know, you deal with a lot of different people and, you know, and there's some compromises you got to make at times or whatever. And it's like, and just the idea of going and making another short again, where you just go like, Hey, we cobbled our own money. We got our own equipment and we could just do whatever yeah. we want or whatever crazy idea, you know, like, cause also, Liberating. you know, like, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, when you write things, you know, that are maybe more out there or something like you go, Hey, I was writing this because it's what I love and I'm writing this script, but nobody's going to make it, you know, yeah. I'm just writing it to get it out of my system. So like yeah. shorts are kind of like, it's a good opportunity to go like make whatever you want. And mm -hmm. you know, like and prove it your craft. Yeah. yeah. Try something as an experiment and then apply it to a future. Yeah. yeah. We really wanted to play um, with heavy special effects, which we right. hadn't been able to do in any features so far because they're so expensive. Yeah. So it's like, and they we, go wrong so easily. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so we, we get one take on, this one and, and we, we even in the short we got one take um but we hired uh josh and sierra russell who did um the ritual and oh, wow. like built that amazing witch just because i was like i just really want to do something like crazy practical yeah, yeah. they built that big creature yeah they built the amazing. whole yeah. thing yeah. in the witch yeah, yeah. and wow. they're off their uh studios like right <laughs> up the street it was just a oh, wow. phenomenal yeah. collaboration mm -hmm. i loved them now when you're writing story eyes um and dealing with the subject matter you're dealing with is there a point where you're saying okay, we're going to offend people or we're going to offend the industry or we're going to, uh, yeah, this isn't going to get made because well, yeah. of what it's saying. <laughs> the funny thing is, the funny thing is, is that like, you know, Dennis running Chuck Pollock's website, Chuck Pollock's famous story was that he had written Invisible Monsters before Fight Club and he had sent it all around town. Nobody wanted to do it. And then he went like, they're like, this is too much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he went back Can't and he goes, oh, well, if uh, they're not going to do that or nobody's going to publish anyway, I'm going to write the book that like, I want to write that's way out there. Double down, yeah. 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 And then he, ironically, like he wrote that book, and then that's the book that got published. And that's the funny thing that was, was that, like, was that, like, we were writing this movie that was kind of like about how hard it is to like break through in Hollywood and how how it feels like this cult, and you know, like, how do I get in, and like, how do I, you know, like. And that there's this wall, this impenetrable wall up that, like, is impossible to get through. And that's how we were feeling, like, you know, making all of our short films, writing all our scripts and sending them out and nothing happening and stuff. And then we write this and it's kind of going like, yeah, like, it's kind of like writing the script. It's almost like a middle finger to Hollywood. And then you go, like, ironically, they're like, hey, you know, like... uh That's the one that got us into meetings. And yeah. you're like, like, hey, come work in Hollywood. And yeah. it's like, you know... There's a lesson there, though, yeah. with writing. Like, tying this back to writing, it's just like, uh, don't write what you think, you know, people want to see, mm -hmm. what you think is, is popular right now. Sort of like, you know, 
what you were saying earlier, you know, before we were recording about like people wanting certain things to be in a story that is, you know, very trendy right now. Yeah. You know, it's like just write the thing that you want to see and mm-hmm. you want to make. And if it comes from you and it's passionate, you know, and it's very deeply personal to you, people will vibe off that. They'll mm-hmm. sense that. People know when people are being sincere and real and it's on the page even, you know. Yeah, right. So just always write from a place of like that that hunger that you feel. You know? So what was the effect? Uh, once Starry Eyes comes out, what's the effect? For you guys, what did you have what the water happened? bottle meetings? Yeah, so I mean, uh, so coming out was South by Southwest it premiered at, yeah. and uh, uh, we had a lot of good buzz off that. We got uh-huh. good reviews from people. You know, the horror community was very supportive. You know, they seemed to really get the film. And then from there, uh, uh, Travis introduced us to a handful of managers, people he knew that were good people, and we met with a handful of them. And that was when we met our manager, and then our manager led to us. Uh, getting our agent, and then that led to a lawyer. It was sort of like uh, everything kind of came out of that one screening mm-hmm. at South by Southwest. And then, yeah, you do the bottle water tour, and he still wasn't living out here. So he was, you flew out for like a oh, week yeah. or so. You were sleeping on my couch in my old apartment, and we were getting sent on the, the, that tour where it's seductive. And you go in there, and yeah. you everyone goes, uh, now, do you just want to make the movies you write, or are you okay doing like ODAs, like, you know, mm-hmm. official directing assignments, looking at scripts and doing, you know, rewrites and stuff? And you want to be like, you know, agreeable and like yeah. affable, and so you're like, "We'll do anything." Yeah. Like, Thank you, you know, you know, and like, welcome, you know. And so you go in, and as a result, you spend three years in development yeah. on things that people are sending you that are movies they want to make, not yep. movies that you really want. You're like, you're like, how do I turn this into something that I, that we're passionate about? And that was another big lesson, and that, because we have always written things, and you, you never care more about something than when you write it yourself. Mm-hmm. You just can't help it. You know, <clears throat> even if you love something you're working on that somebody else wrote, it's just different. It's yeah. your baby. It's different. Yeah. You care now, about it did you get projects that you were just downright like, I just don't like this, but let's dig in on it or anything that no, you no, nothing no. like that. Yeah, I it's always like the thing is like we we approach like jobs as like okay, we understand that this isn't going to be like one of our passion projects. We're not going to be in love with it as in love with it as we would be something that we created ourselves, but we never took a job that was something that we didn't like. Like there's been tons of scripts that we got sent from studios that could have been a, you know, a good payday or something. And that we were just like, no, we we can't get into this. This is, you know, this doesn't feel like us. You know, the only things we took were things that like we actually liked the script, you know, mm-hmm. and it's uh and uh yeah, and I'm, it's weird, you know, because like yeah, we were uh, attached to things like yeah, the sequel to Mama, you know, it's which a was sequel, a good script. It's a sequel yeah. to a ghost ring movie, but there was there was really cool things in that script where it it did what a sequel should do, where it mm-hmm. keeps the same uh you know, the same character and the same story, but it kind of goes into a different direction mm-hmm. with it, where it's mm-hmm. not like just like, hey, here's another story where the same thing happens mm-hmm. to just two new yeah. Yeah. characters. And then we were attached to like a Lionsgate thing uh, called Exorcism Diaries, and that was Jeff Howard and Mike Flanagan wrote that, and those guys know how to write. Yeah. And so we were like coming in there and like reworking something those guys did, so there was a really good pedigree yeah. there. Yeah. It was like always just like smart, good material. We were like, okay, there's something here. We could find something here. Yeah. It's not your material, but it's something you could get. Yeah. And it's always things like, it's funny, like coming in, I would kind of go like, you know, oh, they're sending us scripts and I wouldn't think that I wanted to, would want to see another exorcism movie or another zombie movie mm-hmm. or another whatever, you know, but then like you get ones and you see people that, you know, like, you were saying great writers that like actually did something with it and you go, oh, I guess I will uh, consider <laughs> this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, good writing is good writing. Yeah. Did you ever have those uh, meetings that were so outside the wheelhouse that you were just like, did you guys even see Starry Eyes? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's funny, like, uh, 
you know, people kind of see horror as horror. You know, mm -hmm. like, it's just kind of like we did a horror movie. So we get called in for things that are horror movies that might be so far removed from, like, I what we think is the the kind of movie that we do but mm -hmm. you know like i don't know they just i don't know people yeah, just... people they they catalog horror very widely yeah, you know? yeah. and there's a, there's a specific type of horror you know uh we like to call it death wave mm -hmm. yes death wave <laughs> i had to yeah. get into there you guys are talking about it. we love adam <laughs> yes but I, I listened to your interview we were, we were cracking up death <laughs> wave. We, were the, we were in the cusp of that whole thing but but no but all kidding aside so but but a certain type of movie that you're trying to make and and then you get the movie where it's like the haunted wishing well and you make three wish and you're like, it's fine. But it's like, it's not really what we're, you know, mm -hmm. we're never really about the concept. It's always mm -hmm. more about the characters. I know that sounds cliche to say, and I promise you not, we're not, we're being, we're being sincere here, but it's, it's gotta be that there is something that the film is trying to say. There's a metaphor at place here, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and that, that supersedes the, the, uh, veneer, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it, it's also just like, it's not just what we like to do, but also what what you like to do or what you have your experience with is also where your talents lie or something. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, when we take some of these jobs, then like, you'll see that like execs or something going, it has to have more of like more scares with a setup and a payoff, like James Wan. And like, we go like, I love James Wan's movies and stuff, but like, I don't know how to do that. Like yeah, he, that's no, what, that's no. his, that's, that's his that's talent. That's why James Wan yeah. does that. That's, yeah, that's yeah. his talent, not mine. Like, so then you're sitting there and like, we'll be sitting there in a the room going like, I don't know, maybe, uh, the door you know, like, open. Like, and like, it's like, <laughs> and drive yourself nuts with them. Like, like yeah. these, these complicated horror gags that they're hard to pull off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, but they work on audiences. And so a lot of times, Speaking of the trends, you get execs that just want like five of those in a movie. Yeah, yeah the but, roller coaster sequences. But that's know. you know that's the biggest thing out of what you were asking before about like being off the mark from Starry Eyes is that like it's just also like you know I've never claimed to be like you know like we said before the goal was always to be a filmmaker. We wrote we started writing to make films and we started writing the type of stuff that we like that we want to be make into a a film. I've never claimed myself to be a writer that like I'm just a writer with a crazy imagination and hire me and I'll do whatever, you know, I'll write whatever you want. Like, you know, so like the funny thing is, is when that, that hard net is so wide and people want to hire you to do things, it's just kind of like, I don't know. I, 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 I Yeah. Like I, yeah, I've never yeah. claimed that I'm good at that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So how, uh, how does Pet Cemetery come along then? That came along after the three years of development hell on these other three, th you know, projects that we all thought were going to go. I mean, we, literally, we had the Lionsgate thing, then we had the Universal thing, which was Mama Two, and then we had the Sony thing, which was the bringing at that haunted hotel downtown. Mm -hmm. uh, and in each instance, we thought that was our next movie. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know, like I always tell the story, but I was rearranging with my with my fiance at the time, like our wedding dates, to be like, well, I'm, we're going to be shooting the bringing then, so we, we should get married in the fall. We should get married here, you know, and and it fell through, and, and we got so frustrated. That we basically were just like, all right, and we did some, we were doing some TV, we did some scream episodes with MTV, mm -hmm. and we were just trying to keep busy, like we were saying, you know. But we were at a point where we were like, all right, F it, let's just go write our own fifty thousand dollar movie again, and you know, hopefully I don't have to do another Kickstarter. We just want to do something, you know. Mm -hmm. We were getting frustrated, like we we got into this to be filmmakers, not to be development people that yeah. like create lookbooks and, and outline 20 page outlines and treatments that's literally I, all right before, we right do. before you got no, here I'm they never, we were in the middle the of a lookbook right before they you guys arrived you. film school they should teach you how to do that stuff oh yeah, my that's, god that's, yeah. not, that's like 50 percent of the no, job that's, it's, that's it's literally yeah. every single time we will come up with a treatment and we will be so proud of it and we'll send oh. it off to our manager and agent and they'll say but where's the lookbook and then we're like fuck that's yeah. like five we have a Dropbox loaded with that stuff yes but 
But again, like that's what I was saying about like the specialty things. Like Dennis was just saying, we got into this because like, hey, we love movies and we mm-hmm. want to make these these films. And then like you go into a room, they're like, where's your lookbook or where's your PowerPoint thing? And I'm going like, I, yeah, I, I, I need, need a deck this for this. Stuff. Where's the yeah. deck? Oh, and, the other, <laughs> and then they they want the the specific look of the lookbook, mm-hmm. which is whatever was right. easily sold, like the one for Stranger Things. That's right. that model it after this one now. Oh my god, so, bit, yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah, can but, you make it look like the Stranger Things lookbook? Well, no, because it's not Stranger Things, right, right, which right. is an amazing lookbook, by the. Yeah. What, I've never seen it. Yeah. What about us having to, uh, you know, like we've you've just brought up wanting a deck. I remember when me and Dennis had to sit there and like Google, like what is, what is a deck <laughs> in, in film? Yeah. You know, like you know, like finally, you know, yeah, like, yeah. But uh, what were we saying though? What led to that? We were talking about uh, oh, the pet cemetery program. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, we, yeah. we we so we we got to a point where we. That was a project we were always kind of chasing on the side, but they had a director attached at that point. And then uh, he, he he loved yeah. the project at some point, and it became open again. Yeah, and but it was three things because we were when we were trying to get it early on, our like reps were telling us, "Oh, you'll never get this," because we had just come off of Starry Eyes. But that was before we got those three years of gigs. But they were like, "They have a director. You'll never get in the room on it." Mm-hmm. And you know, and it was in development for like years, and it was never over a decade. Yeah, yeah and it was never greenlit. And then yeah. you know, and then three things kind of aligned, and that was like we had gotten more studio jobs, even though none of those movies went. Kind mm-hmm. of like the yeah, irony was, those our, films that never got made were like bigger budgets. You mm-hmm. know, eight million, ten million to six. I think Mama Two was sixteen million or some somewhere mm-hmm. around there. And so we never made those films. They never happened, but we were attached to them. Yeah. So there was that there was that, that appearance of yeah. well they can make a film then that's way bigger mm-hmm. than Starry Eyes even though we hadn't at that point so it was like you it's know like IMDb search you see yeah. him on there you see yeah. us attached to things and you're like oh those guys worked on that for a year and a half the film never got made but clearly somebody thought they could make that film yeah. so yeah. Paramount looks at that and goes okay we could get these smaller guys in here to do this bigger film mm-hmm. you know so yeah. I guess a, a good thing came out of that that was yeah. a silver lining. So yeah, that was the, that was the one. That right? was the one thing was that like we were now able to get in the room because of these other jobs they didn't have a director anymore, mm-hmm. and it came out and everybody was greenlighting any Stephen King yeah, materials right. they had. So yeah. like suddenly all three of those things lined up and yeah. It, now did you did you go into the meeting with a pitch of how what you wanted oh, yeah. to do with a it? Lot of, um, a lot of meetings, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so when you're you're putting together this pitch and you're dealing with this like. Uh, mentality out there of don't destroy my childhood and mm-hmm. then also dealing with what the executives right. want to see in the movie. How do you balance that out? A lot of it was really just taking the script that they had. Uh, again, I know we, that a lot of things that we go in on, and we've learned to get better at this because it's not always a good thing, is you, we, we go in as a writer first before a director. Like We go in there and like we, we fix their problem. Like When yeah. they've been working on something for so long, they just need an outside voice to tell them what they're doing wrong. They right. want to hear it. It's like an open door. It's a you know, fresh air for them. So you, it's good to go in there and tell them, they like it. Honestly, this this middle portion didn't work for us because they, they know something's wrong. They just want to hear somebody else give them the magic pill that tells them why it doesn't work, right. you know? And so a lot of it really is just fixing the script, you know? But then you also have to think like a director because you're going to eventually direct this thing. Mm-hmm. So we've learned to kind of come in and be more like directors more so than writers because the two really go hand in hand, you know? Mm-hmm. A director's usually going to do a polish on a script, you know? And so that's the lookbook, you know? But mm-hmm. I think the irony was with Pet Cemetery, we didn't have a lookbook, right? I think we had a, my laptop with a folder on it which some key images. Yeah, we had images. I think we, we were sick of making lookbooks. <laughs> so we were like, we're not going to do a lookbook on it. So the irony is right. we actually didn't have a lookbook on that. We had... We had a lot of images, though, like ton of it, like over a thousand images, probably. You know, yeah. we, mm-hmm. we had a selects folder, but a lot of it was really just going in there and finding that balance between the novel that we all grew up and loved mm-hmm. and their current script, which was trying to modernize everything in a, in a good way, but also a bad way in some ways. And we were trying to find a middle ground of 
honoring the fans, but at the same time doing something new that wasn't like the original. Mm -hmm. And I think that was why we won, we won the day, because we came in with a very measured pitch of we could have our cake and eat it too. We could do both. Mm -hmm. you know? And I think there were either people trying to probably lean too much into uh, the original film or or play ball with the executives and go, oh, yeah, yeah, what do you have is great. And we, we didn't. We, we, we knew it could be better. We came mm -hmm. in there and they were like, they don't have Zelda. They barely have Pascal. Oh, wow. You know, like there were things mm -hmm. that they just, by then they had gotten away from. And I think they needed to hear somebody telling them, you need those staples. You know, yeah. like, wow. it has Pennywise, but we have all these other iconic things. We have the cat. We have, the, you know, we have the cemetery. We have the road. We have Gage. We have, we have all these great iconic things. Embrace those. Go mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. you know, go big. You know, and like, they were like, okay. We like that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting fact, Stephen King, in his first draft of the original Pet Cemetery screenplay, also didn't have Zelda. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, well, that nice. definitely is one of the most like takeaways. From watching it as a kid, I think it was probably the most horrifying. Oh, yeah. 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 Still to this day, everyone yeah. talks yeah. about yeah. that's the Zelda scene. destroyed their yeah. childhood. Yeah. And yeah. like, yeah, I remember watching that movie over and over again, yeah. you know, and like right. growing up and I was waiting for those parts. Yeah, you know, that was like, it. Yeah. Like church was you know, creepy, Gage mm -hmm. was creepy, but man, yeah. Zelda like melted my brain. Oh, yeah. 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 God, yeah. I, I couldn't finish that film for the longest time. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that, you know, but yeah. scared the crap out of me. But it wasn't even in there in the original. Film. Yeah, wow. so I mean, that, that's, but that's, there you go, that's emblematic of, of development. You yeah. Know? So as you guys, you got the gig, how many conversations did you have with Stephen King or did you have any? None. None. Wow. Yeah. No, he, he, he is so busy on so many things, he pretty much just, it's rare when he gets involved in something like it. You mm -hmm. know that doesn't really happen often. You know, a lot of the times we've talked to directors that have made films with him, where they they never met him, they never heard from mm -hmm. him. We actually got the email with him, and he was very supportive. He liked the film and stuff, and he actually was uh, watching early cuts and giving us advice and mm -hmm. stuff. So he was actually involved after we had shot the film, but that was his whole thing was. I'll be involved after you've done it. And then I, if I could help, I'll help. You know? right. But he, he very nicely stayed out of the way and said, go make your film. That's awesome. You know? yeah. So yeah. that was cool. You know? um, so given the experience you've had with development and then not going anywhere, when what point did you realize that Pet Cemetery was going to actually happen? Um, I think we always knew it was going to be something that would probably get greenlit. Yeah. Again, because of it. You know? Yeah, I mean. Stupid not to make it. Like I said, we were chasing it around for a while. There was times where we were told it had a director on it. There was times where we were told it just was kind of stalled or nothing was happening with yeah. it or no motion. And then like, yeah, it came out. Everyone was like, and you know, the Stephen King fever had Stephen King fever again. And mm -hmm. then like, uh, you know, we were getting called in for a meeting on it and it was just kind of, I don't know. It just kind of, kind of seemed clear to us that, you know, this project that we heard at other times was kind of like stalled. Like the fact that they were calling us in for this after it came out, it mm -hmm. just kind of felt like we knew that it was going to felt come. a little different. You learn so much about studios uh, when, you, when you make a studio film, obviously. They still have to do their own pitch. Like all the producers, Lorenzo, mm -hmm. even Mature, all the executives of Paramount, yeah. then have to pitch it to an internal department at Paramount that basically, and they have to have their own lookbook and their own. They, it's basically like they have like an easel, a three easel yeah, set up with concept art. It's a green light mm -hmm. meeting. They, uh, we, you hire a store, it's a green light meeting. They and, go before and, a committee. And, they basically go before the money people at, at Paramount and, mm -hmm. and the marketing people, really. And they go, here's something we've been developing for a decade. We think we have it ready to go. And if they say no, the film doesn't happen. There are films internally that you think are a no-brainer. They don't happen. Mm -hmm. So there was some anxiety, even up until the night before that, where the execs were like, we're not out of the woods yet. We'll know on Thursday if we're greenlit or not. And we were like, we might not get greenlit yeah. <laughs> after yeah. all this work. Wow. And then it happened. But it, it's odd that even at that point in the studio, it's still not there yet. Yeah, there's there's yeah. this idea that everything in Hollywood happens overnight. You're an overnight success. No, Films no made nothing. Overnight. Well, I wouldn't. Just the funny thing is, my, my thing with that, 
term. Anytime I call somebody an overnight success, yeah. I go, I go, no, no, no. You now heard of them, right? You know, exactly. Like, like, because there was a successful movie or a successful song or yeah. something like, you know, like they've they've been struggling, you know, yeah. for Everybody like. Knows. You don't see the duck legs underwater paddling like yeah. crazy. <laughs> there was one um, review that came out that referred to Dave and I as young new filmmakers, and I was like, <laughs> <Jesus>. my God, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a third yeah. of that might be the case, yeah. but no. Yeah. yeah. Now, by the time you finally make it, you're burnt. Yeah. Oh, you're just God, like. Yeah. Can I, okay, like, now the irony is I made it. Do I have the energy now to keep going? Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. we're in our 40s now. I've got a kid on the way. And it's like, now we have, we're, we have an opportunity to hopefully to keep making films, knock on wood. But it's like, you get tired and you go like, I'm not mm. in my 20s anymore. It's like, I look at guys like Clint Eastwood that are like 88, 89, and they're still making a movie a year mm-hmm. or a movie every two years. I'm going, how the fuck do they do I that? know. I want to be raising chickens by then. I know. <laughs> I don't get it. You know, it's like. It, it maybe kind Tarantino's of, onto something with retiring. Yeah. Yeah, it like kind of makes you wonder what what making it is yeah. in yeah. this. If you know, there's no, no... It's a grind. I mean, that's yeah. why at the end of the day, uh, the big thing you always have to remind yourself: something will come across your desk and you'll be like, "Ooh, this is cool. I, I'm I'm honored that they thought of us to do this. And cool, I think I can make this into something. That's not enough. You have to spend two years on that. You yeah. have two years and go. Do I love this so much that every night I go to bed? I'm going to be racked with anxiety thinking about this thing. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to take it home with me to my wife every day. Kevin and I, every conversation we have, every email we get is going to be about this thing for two years. Yeah. Do I love it that much? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, it's yeah. scary, but that's the commitment you have to make. For the guys that are still, um, and girls, for the, the folks that are right. still writing in their parents' basement right now, kind of, what advice do you have? Like, wh- What pushed you forward in those moments? Yeah, I think... Uh, well, you just have to keep going, like we were talking about. She's up. Oh, she was awake. The office puppy is awake. I, 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 I want to make sure I didn't roll her over. <laughs> oh, you know. oh, no, she'd let you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, you know, how we were talking about like before, it's kind of like the people who get work in this industry are the people who just keep doing it. Like, you know, like you've got kind of like, and I always quote like Eli Roth on his Cabin Fever disc where he talked about like, yeah, like the people who get to make movies or write movies are after you graduate college are the people that just keep going while all your other classmates like after five years or that put a time limit on it, like you said, or that go, oh, I didn't get a job right out of, nobody paid to make my movie right oh, well, out of uh, yeah. mm-hmm. college. Then they just kind of go off and they get regular jobs and the person that's still sitting there going like, hey, I've got a script, I've yeah. got a script. You know, they're the ones who get work and it's like also like, just keep working because like your first things they're not good like you know like some people you know I know people that will just write their first script and then they're just forever like you know going around or I know some people that haven't even written their first script but have been talking for like a decade about like that that one specific film that they want to make and you know and I go like you know it's not enough it's like you know like the whole expression of like, yeah, throw, throw some shit at the wall and see what sticks. But it's like, it's the truth. Like we've been attached to so many projects and like a lot of them don't go and everything. So, you, you know, you can't just, you know, you've got to just keep going, have multiple scripts working for you out there at the same time. And also like, you know, just that, that they get good because like, you know, yeah. that's that other saying, right? Right. You know, like if you want to write scripts, write your first, write your first script. All right. Now just throw, throw it out, out and write your yeah. next script. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, 
Yeah. Yeah. And never show uh, that first one anybody. I, I, yeah. I remember I, I burned all my composition books from like my twenties. He did. Yeah. Literally, like, nope, we had there's nothing wow. in here that's we like. We looked yeah. through to see if anything was of value, and then we had a bonfire yep. pit in the backyard, yeah. wow. and we let the kids roast marshmallows. And some of it we kept Dark. notes from. Yeah. But yeah. it yeah. was this very kind of euphoric of look at yeah. how much we've learned. We will never right. use any right. of yeah. this. Exactly. Right. And, I've thought about doing that too. But the funny thing is, but I think some of the stuff sometimes is funny because you were talking before about you know writing and how Dennis was saying like oh it took us a while to get to get to a horror script but I find it, it but it's funny because I grew up on horror I grew up reading horror watching horror movies writing horror short stories so I guess it's sort of like you know when you're two people you bring different elements in and stuff and mm-hmm. like so there was always horror things but it took a while I don't know to get to specific horror but like I look back now on some of those short stories and I go like I see these funny things like when I was in like what kindergarten or something, one of the first like stories I wrote was like I went outside, I saw a ghost, I got my dad, he chased it away. You know, like at the end, you know, but like but like You just got that green lit somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like I saw a ghost. Yeah. But then like and then he I saw yeah. <laughs> in a world where he saw a ghost. Yeah. And he ran back and, and so like, you know, I still find that there are some things in there that are uh, that are fun to laugh at. Mm. I know that there's yeah. this this group, uh, some friends of mine did this uh, thing in Brooklyn where they would have every night out at like some bar. Th- you're all sitting there and people show up with your old diaries or journals from when you were like a teenager oh, and you read them out loud. To I everybody. don't want to hear that. And I go, I would never do that. <laughs> but like some of the stories, like I have a story that like where it was just kind of like, like, it's just so typical. Like, I'm in my room. I hear a news announcement. There's an escaped uh, killer on the loose. I look yeah. outside. He's in my garage. I go down and I fight him and I win, you know? And like, <laughs> where did this stuff and, come from? But like, yeah. the thing was, like, I go, like, yeah, those stories from when I'm a kid. And then, like, every time I go back and I look through the thing, I like, I see the date on it and I go, like, do the math and I go, oh, <laughs> like, I was, I, was, yeah. I, was, uh, I was a bit older than I am. Uh, <laughs> and I like, like, to, I like to admit, God. you know? But, uh, Dude, I, I worked at a ski shop and I sold rollerblades. It's the most 90s thing I've ever said in my life. I sold rollerblades for a living and I would ride at work and I had a, uh, I was in a band at the time, and, and I would write these like what I thought were like these epic love songs, you know. <laughs> and, I, and it's like Creed type lyrics, you know. Yeah. And like one day we were up, uh, we were at band practice, and it was with Josh. I, I think yeah. we went to a bowling alley in like Oceanside or something like that. And I was uh, using a rent a car from a film I was working on. I didn't know how to lock. It was one of those things where everything locks at once, but mm-hmm. you know. And I didn't do it correctly, so I left the back door unlocked. And someone went in and stole my bag and stole all of my poems and uh, lyrics. Yeah. And I was like, Ugh! and I look back and I'm like, that guy did me the best favor ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that was the guy from Creed. Yeah, yeah. he actually started <laughs> his band. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. take me higher. When <laughs> um, like when Elric had jump cut, we always used to joke that we wanted to host a night where we had all of like the notable horror film come in and show their bad student film because yeah. we all have oh, the one yeah. from yeah. film yeah. school that we're like yeah we're in all our student films yeah, like, yeah. so are we yeah. Blown yeah. Off and yeah. like you know like just you know over the top violent. I don't know where this stuff comes from it was the yeah. 90s because we all had it too you had yeah. one about kidnapping they're all yeah. Scorsese you had one I like, did literally yeah. shot in the face and strangled well, and exactly yeah. Yeah. mine were all really yeah. brooding yeah, and I know. yeah like but nobody gets me we're all like well adjusted people yeah you know what but you know what that Takes me back. I was going to say this before when we were talking about, um, you know, finding your voice. And now you were asking about, you know, advice for people still sitting in their parents' basement writing. And 
that's that weird internet thing. Why are you always in the basement, right? Like, yeah, it's true. Yeah. If you say some comment on the internet that people don't like, you're always writing it for your parents. Yeah. It's, it's so you know, bad. Like, yeah. We really were. My parents' basement. No, we yeah. were too. But, uh, but, but it's yeah. Southern California. Yeah, we don't have basements. But, yeah. but the thing that I was going to say was that I remember another example of this was like, Todd Salons, right? Like, he was a guy that made, he has that early movie that, you know, Fear, Anxiety, and Depression, where, mm-hmm. like, he was kind of, like, just walking around doing, like, uh, like a Woody Allen thing. He's in the movie <laughs> himself, just kind of, mm-hmm. like, right. you know. And then uh, he was gone for years before he made Welcome to the Dollhouse, and he said, and, Which like, I love, and that uh, yeah. was, like, what I strived for movie. in the 90s. Yeah, we, exactly. We were but, very inspired by Todd Salons. Yeah. But, <laughs> but his thing was, he. I remember in an interview him saying, like, you know, he was like, hey, you know, like, it's different for different people. Like, you know, like some people are, yeah, making films in their 20s, like you were saying, like Spielberg or Tarantino, but they had their voice, you know, like like Todd Salons. Like if we made a film in our 20s or something, it might have been the voice of the time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. like, and that's what kind of he did. It took him a while to find his voice. So that yeah. would be the thing too. That's, again, why I give them the advice to just keep writing and yeah. working, you know, because, you know, you need to get better and you also need to find your unique yeah. Oh, the yeah. first handful of things you're going to write, and this is every in, in music too, you're going to be inspired by people and you're going to be inadvertently mm-hmm. writing homages to things that you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, this is my Brian De Palma film or something mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, and you got to get those out of your system before yeah. you find yourself. And a lot of times, sometimes you'll find your voice and your voice, is, your voice could be an amalgamation of some of your favorite things, and that's fine mm-hmm. as long as it crystallizes into something original to you, you know. Yeah. But that takes a while, you know, it takes 20 years sometimes. Well, uh, let's wrap things up here. I want to yeah. uh, end things by uh, let's talk about cats. Okay. Let's talk about the cat from the film. I, the, this was a, a trained cat. You had a couple of cats, right? A couple yeah, trained five cat. cats. Yeah. Five cats. Five cats, mainly two or three that were the main cats. But yeah. And they were they, all rescues, right? They were all rescues, and they all found homes afterwards, and the nice. trainers even kept a few of them. Yeah, And mm-hmm. uh, there was actually like eight cats, and they would all down to five, and it was really like two or three. Right? Yeah, mostly so. two. There yeah. was the, the good one and the evil and one. And the evil one, and, yes. then, and then there was like a third cat that every once in a while... Stood yep. in if was it was like a wider shot right? or something. Yeah, GD, right? Did they all have different yeah. markings, or were they all relatively the same looking? Oh, they were all very close. But stupidly, we were like, we're not going to go with a solid gray cat. That, that was awesome, but that's been dumb. We're going to go with like a multicolored cat. <laughs> and then the trainers were like, ugh. You know how hard it is to find a cat that has like that pattern? You know? So they had to find like five cats that all had that brown, you know, black and uh. tan combination. You know, and that's mm. harder, like the tortoise color, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, they, they found all rescues, and each cat had its own specialty. And How long did it take before they were ready to, were they... Before they were screen ready, about three months probably. Three months. Three months? Wow. Yeah, so we, had, tra- we had to fly out there early to meet them before we even like uh-huh. casting. We, we had to get the cast first. How do you ready. train a cat? I don't know. You guys both own cats. Yeah, I know. Cats? Ours aren't trained. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you got to talk yeah. to the cat trainer on the movie because. But they actually, you guys would like have the cats outside in the woods Mm -hmm. off leash. Yeah. Yeah. That was the scariest day of the entire set. Yeah. That cat. That shot of of Leo with the cat from the trailer, the car backing up and Leo just sitting there. Mm -hmm. There was nobody around. The cat was just sitting there. (laughs) It's like, you know, and the cat knew to stay there, you know, and then the trainer ran back and the cat, you know. I want to hire the cat trainer to come to my apartment and like make my cats like stop doing it's like treat based cats will do anything for a treat you know so it's yeah. like, you, you create a good environment for them and they, they get to like walk around they sniff everything on the set sometimes you wait like 15 minutes for the cat mm-hmm. just to get comfortable then they bring the crew in you know? oh that's and cool because yeah. the, the cats, cats are like, so territorial they against everything yeah. and they get from, it's like their set they and you're invited you know? but yeah. I, tr- I tried like I watched them treat base, treat base uh, train these cats right and they were like 
or come up here, or jump up here and like tap something. And then they give the treat and they do all this. And then I went home and I was like, I'm going to train my cats. Like, and I would take <laughs> treats and I'd look at the cat and I'd go like, you want this? You want this? Oh, I'm up here at the table. You, you got to get up here if you want to treat. And they'd nope. just sit there looking at me like, what, the what are you doing? You giving, yeah. jump on the table. Yeah. Giving you the cat middle yeah. finger. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't understand what he's doing. Like, he's not putting that treat down. He's Over waving now. it around in the air. <laughs> he's like, you know, like. It is a special thing, man. Not every cat can do it, but we're lucky. We had some good cats. Nice. So, so uh, what's coming up next for you guys? We are, should we say it out loud? It's not really been announced yet. Yeah, I don't know. It's okay. You <laughs> don't have to break. We get you know, it. We yeah, get no, it. We're, we're working on a, 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 a bigger movie than Pan Cemetery. And mm-hmm. uh, but what's cool though is that it's it's an intimate movie. It's mm-hmm. a very intimate horror film. You know, it's not a big concept, loud horror film. It's a very emotional horror film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's, it's it's about the characters. Yeah, it's really like a, a love story. That's a horror film. You know, and we're really heavily into it. You know, it's probably like the most emo thing we've ever written. Cool. <laughs> nice. So we're we're really into it. You know, and it's it's based on uh, you know something from a writer we really respect. So hopefully that gets announced soon. You know, yeah. and yeah. a handful of other things. But that's yeah. the one that we're really kind of. They they have a date that they want to start on mm-hmm. that. But so. also working on some of our own stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. I mean, Dennis talked about how we spent years you know working on these other projects and it's like yes we've only taken ones that we like that's what i was saying before we never took one that we didn't like but um but at the same time you know like it'll never be your own thing Mm -hmm. you'll never have the passion for it as your own thing so on the side we're also working on our own script trying to do our yeah, kind of next get the weird story now is kind of cool. Exactly. Yeah. Nice, sneak it in. <laughs> so uh, we can find you all on social media. I'm guessing yep. then we're at, at Starry Guys. At oh, Starry Guys. Yes, yes. Nice. We, we shut down our own respective personal Twitters. We just have the one for the two of us now. So yeah. wow, so right. you remember too. <laughs> so nice. yeah. have it. Well, thank you guys so yeah. much for coming out here. This has been great. Yeah, um, and thank thank you for joining me as well, uh, partner, thank you, wife, life partner, uh, life partner. Yeah. partner. Thank you so much to my guests, Dennis Widmire and Kevin Kolsch uh, and Rebecca McKendry for coming by today. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, really nice to, to talk to a couple of guys that are just doing what they love and getting their take on the industry and, and writing together and working together. Thank you so much for listening. Please check me out on Twitter at DieDaveDie and give my other podcast, Fear Initiative, a listen if you get a chance. Until next time, keep writing. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. And it will then take my time to get back to where I was. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. We're going to make a new rule. In here, that means that I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. You're distracting me. That means don't come in. How do you think you can handle that? Penning Terror is a Fangoria Podcast Network original, produced and hosted by David Ian McKendry. Executive producers Dallas Sonnier and Phil Nobile Jr. Produced by Natasha Pacetta. Associate producer Jessica Safava Mare. Art and design by Jason Koslerich. Sound recording, design, and mixing by David Ian McKendry. For Fangoria, Brandon Wynardi.